We don't know that he's not a good guy. We know he stole our idea. We know he lied to our faces for a month and a half. No, he never lied to our faces. Okay, he never saw our faces. Fine, he lied to our email accounts and he gave himself a 42-day head start because he knows what apparently you don't, which is that getting there first is everything. I'm a competitive racer, Div. I don't think you need to school me on the importance of getting there first. Thank you. All right. What, do you want to hire an IP lawyer and sue him? No, I want to hire the Sopranos to beat the shit out of him with a hammer. We don't even have to do that. That's right. We can do that ourselves. I'm 6'5", 220, and there's two of me. I'm with well, this guy. Well, whatever. I'm saying let's calm down until we know what we're talking about. How much more information are you waiting for? We met with Mark three times. We exchanged 52 emails. We can prove that he looked at the code. And what is that on the bottom of the page? This is a Mark Zuckerberg production. Everybody and welcome to Generation Loss, the holiday show about movies with Brendan Jeremy. That's right. It's <laughs> um, it's a very important holiday today. Yes, it's the Sabbath. <laughs> it's it's Black Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yes, today is Black Friday. Oh, did you buy anything today? No, did God, no. <laughs> I haven't. I don't think I've ever done that. Did you ever like go show up to a place and do Black Friday? No, God, no. No, I've always been. It's funny because we're the generation that experienced Black Friday becoming a thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like there wasn't Black Friday when we were kids. It like became a thing. Yeah, where, like, or at least like if it did 80s. exist, they definitely <laughs> didn't call it Black Friday. They just called it like you know Black Friday holiday was... sale. <laughs> Black Friday was like a um, like a media term for mm -hmm. like the people lining up on the you know holiday sale stuff if i remember correctly yeah yeah i thought black friday initially referred to the fact that people like they could not stop dying that's right like in trampling incidents on on these black friday deal days i thought that was what black friday was meant <laughs> to refer to but i think it's actually just like like hey retail workers you're going to have a bad day <laughs> Yeah, uh, from what I understand, it was like this thing that just was like the New York Times were like, it's the busiest shopping and traffic day of the year, and it sucks. Yeah, <laughs> utter misery. Because <laughs> it sounds terrible. It sounds terrible every time I hear about it. I don't think I could possibly get a good enough deal on a flat screen to like make it worth no going at four a.m. to stand in front of like the the hop hog Best Buy. No, thank you. I've definitely never done that. I'm pretty. I mean, I would. It would surprise me if I've never like been on the internet and was like oh this is on sale i wanted mm -hmm. that and then bought it but i don't really remember like just today i bought a pair of shoes but that wasn't because they uh it wasn't on sale they just came out yeah. today well it's like um they they started the new one the cyber monday oh yeah yeah <laughs> i forgot about that we have it's the day where everybody fucking fucks sucks. online <laughs> They fuck. Everyone fucks online on Every, Cyber Monday. Everyone yeah. fucks the internet. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they have the existence pods. Yeah, I yeah genuinely don't care about that sort of shit. It's um, I've never really like 
I've never even like paid attention to sales necessarily. I've always been terrible at deals. I'm not uh-huh. a deals lady. Like my yeah. mom used to like cut out coupons. <laughs> yeah, and, like, I cut out coupons for um like I, we go to like BJ's to get like big uh-huh. huge containers of food, you know. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll like cut out coupons before I go there because they send them to me in the mail every month, <laughs> and it's like, well, I have the book. Uh-huh. I might as well cut the coupons. It doesn't seem like it does anything for me. I don't think I like right. save any money at all. I've I've always been like frustrated with like uh, people giving me fucking uh, those little cards you put on your keychain or whatever. Oh yes, Refuse. yes, yes, yes. I used to just like give them to people when I have <laughs> you use this. I don't want this bullshit. Yeah. Um, don't care for it. Not a culture that I'm a part of. I can't. I I don't want to save any money (laughs) (laughs) ever. (laughs) I hate saving money. I don't want to save it in my own account. I don't want a savings account. I don't want, I don't want a discount. Leave me alone. This is where we differ. Brand is that I actually (laughs) love to save money. I hate spending it. I hate to do anything with it, but I don't do deals. I just like, don't do anything. I just, (laughs) (laughs) I do love spending money. I don't like saving it. <laughs> no, I like to I like to keep a pile of it and, mm-hmm. and you like, like to hoard sleep it in my little coins. Yeah. I feel like this <laughs> I like to do like a Scrooge McDuck and right. like swim through it and like spit it out of my mouth like it's water. <laughs> <laughs> and that has nothing to do with you personally. Nope. Has nothing to do with how I was raised, <laughs> any sort of religious or ethnic background I may have. Right. I mean that would be weird. If that would it be did. weird if we were to bring something like that up. <laughs> Yeah, and it's not, and and we're talking, you know, let's be honest, we're talking about Ferengi. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I should say that this week I have been, I started, I guess last week I started watching DS9, Mm. um, which I've never watched before in my life. I don't think I've watched any meaningful amount of Star Trek in my life. So I I, I grew up watching TNG, the, Mm -hmm. the, Picard one, like every yeah, once yeah. in a while, I'd see an episode here and there, and I I wasn't like a huge fan, you know. Picard isn't in Deep Space Nine, right? Mm-mm. Um, but Picard is the Next Generation, and he and I really liked that show when I saw it, but it wasn't like you know dressing up. It wasn't for me like my big nerdy show was the X Files. Mm. Um, and TNG was just a nice show that to put on sometimes. Um, but when I grew up, when I was like you know. 10 years ago uh someone told me to watch my friend was watching all of the original star trek which i was sort of interested in on like a formal level right and uh just because it's like corny and weird and like all the sets are interesting Yeah, i liked the original one i would see it around yeah it's pretty good show it's kind of like a stupider twilight zone uh-huh um, yes <laughs> and then uh and then because of that, I had another friend who was like, well, you should just watch all of TNG since you just watched the original series. So I did that. And then I really I really liked it a lot. And then just recently, I was like, well, it's quarantine. Might as well. Everyone says Why not? DS9 yeah. is good. So let's check that out. And it's really good. I mean, if you like TNG, then you'll really like DS9, I think, is is everyone was right, is the thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's it's a show that is more less episodic and more about the characters and like the acting is a lot better who's the um who's the captain yeah i was gonna say coach (laughs) (laughs) craig t nelson craig t nelson is the coach (laughs) but uh no the captain is um cisco he's the black guy cisco Uh uh-huh 
Like the thong song Cisco? That's right. <laughs> um, he uh, he has a son. It's weird because the, the, the premise of that show is that it's a space station that was occupied by the Nazi race, the Cardassians. And then they left after the Bajorans, uh, who were the basically the Jews of, you know, the sort of oppressed. They're basically the Gaz, like the Palestinians. Um, the Deep Space Nine people are the Palestinians? The Bajorans, yeah. Okay. They sort of win and like take over the space station and the Cardassians leave that area. So there's like a war going on where they're like, have death camps and like they're the Nazi Whoa. ones. And what? so the Bajorans are like, we're you fucking own this space station now. And the Federation is like, hey, we're, we're here to help. We're going to like, you know, we'll have a Bajoran leader and a Federation leader and we'll run right. the space station and keep the Cardassians away or what, you know, keep the peace or whatever. But that just is like, it just never works. And the Bajoran children are like throwing rocks at the, at the tanks and stuff. And it's they, seriously like that. It's like a really, do you think it's on purpose? Is it yeah. supposed to be like a, do you think, but specifically, do you think it's like Israel Palestine or do you think it's, it's somewhere between Israel, Palestine and like Nazis and Jews. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of just like an occupied race and uh, an oppressor race. Sure, and they try okay. to like make their own sort of world building out of it. But like the politics of the show are very interesting. And only one time that I get really mad at it um, for being kind of like too hand ringy, squishy liberal. Mm -hmm. um, but uh according to the fans who told me to watch it that apparently that uh they rectify that um it's a really weird show um I was what's the problem what, what was oh, it? there was this one episode people did get very mad at me uh i almost got banned from a star trek group on facebook uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but there's this one episode where this um this they guy, like do a, they do a land acknowledgement. <laughs> this guy In who's a, a, from the not from the Cardassians, mm -hmm. he shows up to the space station for medical attention, um, and the Bajoran leader Kira is like, "That's the fucking that's basically Himmler, like he fucking like ran the not the the concentration camps and like mm -hmm. kill. He's like, we have to imprison him." And the Federation is like, whoa, whoa, hey, well, we don't know that. And like, they do all this research, and then it turns like his story doesn't like line up. Um, and it turns out that it's not him, that he's actually a different guy. And, um, and she, he worked at the concentration camps as a file clerk. Okay. And he got plastic surgery on his face. So that he could look like him, the Himmler Cardassian, right? Yeah. So that they would arrest him and try him for his crimes because he feels so bad about it. Oh, interesting. Um, because he, <laughs> so he basically is playing this like unrepentant evil Nazi character, and mm -hmm. then by at the very end, he basically like breaks down and is like, "I just want to be punished for the shit that I allowed to happen on my watch." Right. And so there, there's this very weird like forgiveness narrative of like well he feels bad so she kind of That's like gotta be worth something yeah it must be worth something and it's very like interestingly done and it like keeps changing and like you're like oh what's gonna happen and but i felt like the message was like well he's sorry <laughs> so he yeah. shouldn't have to and if he was just a file clerk it's just taken for a given that no one would prosecute him you know what Dude, i mean i feel like growing up 
I was always under the impression that my grandparents' generation was like too hard ass. Like they just like don't have any sympathy for anything. They have like little emotion. Most of their emotion is spent on like upholding like a very strict regimented sort of like idea of morality. Really? And I kind of almost feel like that's correct. (laughs) Not correct, but at least like it's more valuable than what our parents and, and us do. We're like, I think that if the Nazis were like, if the real ass Nazis were around now and they just like apologized good enough in like a like if they had a good orator I kind of feel like they'd just get away with it that's what happened though (laughs) like that's literally what happened do you know how many people were like even sentenced in the Nuremberg trials oh no I mean I know I understand (laughs) but like a lot of them like died in the war and stuff I think that like yeah the soldiers I kind of feel like if there was like a like a hip young hitler like if it wasn't like you know trump <laughs> like if it was like a younger guy though it's like a um i mean maybe I'm, maybe i just have like tech world on the brain but i'm thinking about like like jt in this movie like if if that was like what hitler was like <laughs> yeah if he killed 11 million people yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like and, under then, his, and, and then like, like listen people I are know. like look this is we need to declare war on you and he's like hey man look you know I'm like so sorry i'm so sorry what we need to do though like you need to look forward not backward yeah. okay listen, and like what, I'm what we do- can look. pioneer together we can move forward and ahead <laughs> look i'm stepping down because i understand that we need to have restorative justice here because <laughs> uses all the buzzwords (laughs) seriously though because they would and that's the thing it's like if we found out that like ice has killed like ice and dhs has killed three million people like Mm -hmm. not as much as the nazis but clearly a genocide yeah you know like the people who are in ice wouldn't be held accountable right like even if you were at the concentration camps right now no one cares it's like well we have to get stephen miller and maybe donald trump and that's the only thing that people could even stick anything to. Like, yeah. no one gives a shit. It's like, oh, you worked for ICE, like as a nurse or something. Like, whatever, that's fine. <laughs> it's normal. Yeah, you did forced. Uh, was it hysterectomy? Hysterectomy. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this lady has worked for like, and it's like, oh well, she's a whistleblower, so you should appreciate her. It's like, what? No, <laughs> she shouldn't have worked there. Yeah, get the only reason you job. have that whistle is it's a bad. Th- you get the whistle for a bad reason. You're a Nazi. <laughs> if you work in an ICE facility, you're a fucking fuck you. Like, yeah, you there's should no be in prison. There's no Jojo Rabbit situation no. here. We're not like you know nobody needs to do that to survive. It's not like a gay person hiding out in the Nazis. <laughs> it's a different thing. <laughs> it's a different thing. Yeah, because it's not conscript yet you know yeah. what i mean like it's if not somehow like, if somehow you are yourself a you know an undocumented immigrant and you somehow through some like hilarious <laughs> movie situation you've managed to find yourself working for ice you get a pass you're the only one though <laughs> you're the only one uh yeah so that is a lot of what i watched this week is ds9 which is very good oh but nice. what i wanted to bring up okay uh was so the Bajorans are like, you know, normal humans with nose ridges. Right. Um, and then there's another group of people called the Ferengi, who you may mm-hmm. know is a big, weird, sharp tooth, big ear guys who are just Jews. 
Right. Like yes. <laughs> they're I'm familiar. Money grubbing. We get a book. Only profit like all they care about is profit and they make their women like be naked. <laughs> yeah, we're issued a book when we're very young of of anti-Semitic depictions in pop culture. <laughs> really? No, not really. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a pamphlet called The International Jew. <laughs> The jewelry. And what we get is, yeah, we get a book. Actually, a friend of mine growing up had, uh, his parents had a book called, uh, in big bold letters, uh, it said, What They Thought of the Jews. And you could, like, (laughs) look up any famous person up until, like, 1975 or so. Uh Any famous person at all. And they would have either a quote from them about Jews that they thought would, like, kind of encompass their whole you know vibe or whatever mm-hmm. uh, or it would just say like nothing on record <laughs> <laughs> and so you'd like go through it like the one that i always remember is um is it shell silverstein or roll doll one or the other of those guys i know roll doll has like a whole bunch of shit in his books too that's very anti-semitic yeah but, but um, i thought silverstein was jew yeah he might be a jewish yeah he uh uh so this must be rolled doll then there was yeah. like some sort of uh quote about like one of israel's many wars that then ends with and and the whole time you're reading it you're like okay well this could be like just like an anti-zionist take i understand uh-huh. this and then the last sentence is like that's the day we all started hating the jews <laughs> and you're like oh wow uh, all right <laughs> okay okay it didn't have to be that way but all right <laughs> you didn't have to word it that strong was there any was there any quotes that were just like cool by me <laughs> yes absolutely a lot of them are just like you know great really Normal. cool i love working with because it, it, it's mostly like showbiz people and so oh, mostly okay. it's just like them saying like i love working with like such and such weinberg or whatever you know <laughs> sammy davis jr yeah nice to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it was it's just so crazy because it's like the 90s at least and it's like how are you getting away with this character, this like whole ethnicity slash race of aliens who like, are how just... How did J.K. Rowling get away with it? I guess that's true, but they're not like the main character. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It, I mean, it just seems so strange. I do like him as a character, though. Quark is always fun to when there's a Quark episode, but it's always like, oh, I've gotten myself into this predicament for my unreasonable addiction towards profit. (laughs) 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 It's always that. It's like, he's like, oh, I can't get on the, on the escape pod because I'm carrying suitcases full of gold. (laughs) Everyone's like, you got to put the gold down. He's like, I simply can't. I can't do that. (laughs) It's like, no, I can't. Yeah, sorry. That is that is Goisha thinking. I'm gonna have to find a new way out of here. Uh, there is one scene where he like. It would be so funny if they had like Yiddish expressions that they used. <laughs> yeah, it's like a very fuck him. Uh, but there's one scene where there's like a bad guy holding the captain at uh at you know mm, ransom or what? Not ransom. And he Gunpoint. hostage. Yeah. And uh, his plan is to throw a little gold coin, <laughs> and then like he, the the bad guy picks down to pick it up, and he jumps on him. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it's uh, a little offensive. Uh, good show though. That's very fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm liking it so far. I'm in the second season. Nice. Yeah. Um, so so what did you I've watch? been I've been watching um, I've been watching a lot of Netflix. Um, I don't think I, I haven't really watched a lot of like full length movies recently. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I've been watching a lot of Netflix shows, and the two that I've been watching uh, are a show called We Are the Champions and okay. a show called Nailed It. Nailed it? Have you seen it. Nailed It? No. What is I that? I think you'd really like it. It it's, sounds fun. It's really stupid. <laughs> and like, Is it like Dude Perfect? Uh, no. It's like... Okay. Um, the format of it is it's like Chopped... But if like everybody who Chopped is that cooking show where like they okay so Chopped is a (laughs) cooking show where they get three people on and they're chefs and they give them a basket where they're like, all right, you have to make us a dish with like steak, carrots, you know, potatoes and Mm -hmm. red licorice. And they're like, oh, what am I going to do with the red licorice? And then you got to like try to work your way around it. Right. That's the idea of Chopped. So the idea of uh, Nailed It is it's like three people who come on and they're amateur bakers and they're like, okay, you are our amateur bakers. Here's what you're making. You have an hour to make us this like ornate, perfect cupcake (laughs) with like a sculpture of a baby bird on it. Oh, (laughs) I see. And so the bit is that you have like nowhere near enough time to do this to begin with. And then additionally, you're not very good at this. So (laughs) the whole bit is like... Yeah, you're at best okay at it. Sometimes it's people who are just like, I don't even bake. (laughs) (laughs) I've baked some cookies before. (laughs) What's crazy is that if you win, you get $10,000, which is a lot of money to give away. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty good. Um, And and the bit is, yeah, that everybody can't do it. and (laughs) So it's just funny to watch people fail? Exactly. And so every time they do it, it's like, here's what you were supposed to make, and here's what you made. And it's always just like (laughs) fucked up and falling apart and not working. Um, and what's funny is that they pitch it in the first season a whole lot. They they veer away from this eventually because they clearly just become their own thing. But at the beginning, they were like, the game show based on the internet phenomenon where people try to make stuff. Oh, <laughs> You're like, like, I don't remember this internet phenomenon. <laughs> you mean like the little like morpheme where people just say nailed it when they fucked up? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, that's exactly. not really even a meme. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't call that a meme necessarily. Like, I don't know where you got this idea from that this is like a widespread enough meme. Like, you could just steal this meme very easily and just be like, it's our own idea for a show where <laughs> you try to make this and you don't. And you fail. You fuck up. And then you don't you say, owe anybody that, that name check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one cares. Uh, um, but it's a, very enjoyable that's a weird and thing. very stupid. <laughs> that's a weird thing that exists on Twitter really specifically on Twitter, it, a little bit on Reddit. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I, I should say a lot of bit on Reddit, but like not a meme because a meme is a thing that you like change to like add text to and like right. make different and build upon and morph. But like there's a thing where you just like people just say a phrase mm-hmm. and that's a joke somehow. Or yes, you just say, absolutely. that's right. Or yeah. imagine if this or whatever. And it's like, that's not a that's not anything <laughs> yeah well it is sort of though because it's like it's isn't the original idea of a meme is like it's like an evolutionary thing isn't it yeah well no it's 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 like taking the concept of genes and then putting them to ideas like mimetic mm-hmm. things so yeah so it's like a, a meme is like an idea that morphs and it uh, mutates the way a gene does you know what I mean? Like if you right. have a baby, the genes mix together and then you make a new thing and that makes a new thing. Mm-hmm. So the idea of a meme is that it's like advice animals and then you've got this like idea and then you right. change it. <laughs> uh, and, add and so on if it, you're always doing the same thing that it's not a meme, it's just like a running joke. I guess. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's I guess so, yeah. It's Which like, is uh it's almost always annoying, especially on it's Reddit. Always annoying, it's yeah. very annoying. <laughs> my um, lady. Uh good sir. <laughs> good sir. <laughs> uh yeah, that's na- more of like an it. affect. That's more of an affect, I would say. It's more mm-hmm. like the 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 reused phrase, yeah, is like is things like that's right or calling Twitter this website. Yeah. Um this, is one that the, always app. pisses me off. It's very annoying to hear. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so yeah. it's it's a good enough show. It's it's fine. It's funny. It's it's a good like turn turn it on and just kind of like tune out and look at your phone and then like look up. the best part of it really is that you can tune out and look at your phone for like 10 to 15 minutes and then just look up and see them do the yeah. presentation and you're like oh great awesome that was funny okay back to my phone now have you seen forged in fire no but i keep thinking about watching that that's <laughs> like the one where it's like a sword thing right yeah i have a friend that we don't really hang out pre after quarantine but we used to hang out all the time post covid or pre-covid and uh they were my friends who would just get really high and watch terrible television and mm-hmm. i don't it's funny because i've never been a terrible television person like right. i don't do reality shows i don't do really anything like that um but this show is is a show where they're they're good at making swords right like yes. and it's crazy uh and very interesting just on a technical level so i mm-hmm. sort of have found it pretty interesting to watch i've only seen probably half of a season there's only one season on on netflix and it's the sixth season <laughs> <laughs> so it's on some other it's you, on like canadian tv or something like that i don't know it's just on, oh yeah it's on actual television so you have fascinating to, but it doesn't matter there's one that's like a glass blowing one that i keep seeing there's one that's like a flower blowing. one this is all like th- what it is is like project runway was successful and then yes all of I these things are just like <laughs> spin outs of project runway the first two seasons of project runway are some of the best reality television so there's ever been <laughs> i love um, it same thing with like the first like four seasons of top chef like those were like kind of like a high point of this genre of competitive reality show and now it's mm-hmm. just kind of like rechasing that high and just trying to find different spin outs of like, what's the wackiest thing we can make right. one of these of, which is itself very entertaining. Like I like, you know, <laughs> I like nailed of, it. I yeah. like, I like watching them and being like, how much weirder can it get? How, you know, <laughs> what could it be? Like uh, there's one on HBO. I think I talked about it on this show. Maybe I forgot to a uh, hot dog. You didn't tell me about hot dog. Hot dog is, uh, it's spelled like hot, like hot cuisine, hot fashion, like H-A-E-T-E. Hot. Um, And the bit is that it's just this like extremely campy, over the top, really, really gay um, (laughs) reality competition show where it's three dog groomers who come in and they groom a dog in like a themed way. (laughs) And there's just this like, it's um, Matt, whatever, the guy who he was on Balling Out once and um, didn't retweet the episode. (laughs) And... uh, He's only like one of the two people who did that to us. Him and Brian Gar <laughs> called the fuck out. Yeah, whatever, man. Yeah, just so you know, if you're ever on a podcast, you retweet, retweet the episode. You retweet the episode. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> you don't have to like add a note to it. No, just retweet. 
It's not that hard. It's really not hard. Could not be easier to do, in fact. One person did that to us on BP, but the next day they retweeted it. And I was mm-hmm. like, all right, you just fucked up. It's well, fine. what's even worse is that this guy uh, from Hot Dog went to college with Alex and like they like knew each other for back in the day. What the and fuck? like Alex even like reached out to him a day or two later. It was like, hey man, like is everything okay? Like, are you like mad at us for something or whatever? Like, did we do something to offend you on the episode you didn't want to share? And he just like never got back to him and wow. never talked to him again. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah, man. So anyway, so he's the host of Hot Dog. Man, and I what's funny is that it's a really good show. It's like really enjoyably stupid and, and campy and whatever. But what's weird about it is that it's like this loud, bright, you know, intense show like that where it's like, welcome to Hot Dog, you know, like that yeah. sort of like really high energy. But then the credits roll to complete silence. It's just <laughs> like it cuts to black. The credits roll. There's no music. <laughs> really bizarre creative choice yeah i don't know i mean i feel like for me those kinds of shows uh if i do like them it's because i like seeing people really talented at something Mm -hmm. um forge and fire is super impressive i don't know what they're doing or how they're doing it it seems like magic and i like watching it uh same with project runway where it was just like you know, I wasn't even really into fashion back then um, yeah. as a concept, but just seeing them put together stuff and the learning like the sort of details about draping and, you know, it's all it was all very interesting. Um, I always hated the the like shit would take so long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's all this like. Dun, 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 cutting around of oh, like, yeah, yeah. Is, it, is it gonna be her or is it gonna be him? And, yeah, and, and the like, winner is. Just fucking tell me what's happening. Do, 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 do. And then it's like it cuts away and it's like next week on Bravo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. Manhunt, the show where hot guys model. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't like that part of it, and I feel like they've actually gotten better at doing that. Though these shows in general mm-hmm. have become, you know they're not stringing you along it's less like the actual tension is like edited correctly and then it's like right you know they don't especially with forge and fire where it's just like they're making it and you watch them make it and then it feels like there's not enough time because they have like three hours to do the thing um and you're like oh god um so I, i i think i think a nice game show is good um, yeah, well, so d- really interesting segue here is that the other show that I was talking about, We Are the Champions, is oh. kind of l- a really logical uh, kind of like spinning off of this because what that show is, it's not a game show at all. There's no like, there's no competitive structure to the show itself, but rather the concept is it's about um, kind of like <clears throat> like offbeat and unique competitions that happen in the world. Really? And so <laughs> like... The first episode is kind of, to me, the the right one to to kind of express that concept. And then later, it kind of the other ones are like a little less interesting to me, but still pretty interesting in a different way. But the first uh-huh. one is kind of like when I watched it, I was like, this is so extremely my shit. This is exactly <laughs> what I wanted from this. So the first one is about this like random village in England in the middle of nowhere in the country that... um they do an annual competition where they chase a wheel of cheese, the cheese roll. down. Yeah. The cheese roll. So it's about <laughs> the about cheese that. roll. And, um, 
they and it's this hill that's like a more than 45 degree angle it's this like deathly way too <laughs> steep hill that you run down on foot chasing this cheese wheel you don't actually try to catch the cheese that's not what you do you no. just try to get over the finish line it's just a race and th- so they like cover that and they tell you about the rules and how it works they try to cover the history but they're like nobody really knows where it started it just <laughs> kind of has been happening forever um as far back as there's such a thing as photography there's pictures of people holding up the cheese so yeah. that's as far as we can really document <laughs> this um and then they like follow this girl who's like won it three times and she wants to win it a fourth they like talk to this guy who's like a legend in the game and he's done it like eight or nine times and like it's it's so interesting how like like how seriously they treat this they're not like this is stupid or these are bumpkins or anything like that it's just like and this is what they do and this means everything to them (laughs) and like yeah sure it's stupid and like you know part of it is like they make a joke where it's like they do three men's races and one women's race because uh men are three times dumber than women (laughs) (laughs) and that's just the rules yeah. And so that's like that's like the level of humor that they add to it. Otherwise, it's taken very seriously. And it's like this is we're just giving you the facts and we're covering this girl and like what this means to her. Uh-huh. Um, so that one's really great. And that's really up my alley in terms of just like like weird, like idiosyncratic local things. Like I'm really interested always in like um like local cuisines I always find very fascinating, like weird regional variations mm-hmm. of foods, like the different like the different ways that people like eat hot dogs around the country is always really interesting to me or like pizza <laughs> or burgers, like the different ways that people change things. Like wait, it's we pe- are the champions. What's like another really good episode? Do they do any what's like the other so, one? So 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 that's the that's the main one that I like, right? Is that episode. Uh-huh. But then the later episodes after that, the or I haven't seen all of them. So maybe they get back on track. So what I was saying is like this like regionality is kind of the thing that I was really interested in going into Mm, it. mm -hmm. And that's the kind of shit that's like up my alley. But then the other stuff that they do, the second and third episode that I've watched are about kind of offbeat competitions that are on a more like they're more of like a like a esoteric community than they are about like a specific place and a thing that that community does. Sure. So the second one is like competitive chili eating. Right. And it's people who eat like hot peppers. And it's about like all the people around the world who are into like competitively eating hot peppers and them coming together for like this this huge mega pepper eating contest where it's the guy <laughs> who invented the um the Carolina Reaper. Reaper pepper and he like makes a bunch of fusion crazy ones that are like untested nobody's ever tried these before they're way (laughs) too hot for consumers (laughs) this could kill you (laughs) and it's about all these people being like yeah i'm ready for it baby and then like just falling one by one to it (laughs) oh no and it's interesting that one is cool because it's like it's just like an interesting look at subculture and the idea of like the people who are attracted to this sort of thing and like who are the people who are into hot pepper eating it's like the the ones that you expect are like there's a guy who's got like a bicked head and like a system of a down goatee. You're like, of course, yes, that's <laughs> yeah, that what one like- of these guys is gonna look like. And then one of them is like a like a chick with like rockabilly hair and like cherry <laughs> tattoos and stuff. And you're like, of course, of course yes, yes, this makes sense. There's like a, a there's like a trans woman from Australia, and you're like, this makes sense, <laughs> of, of course. course. Yes. But then there's like ones that are like uh, like old Indian school teacher from England and you're like, hmm, <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, they got curry. <laughs> um, so that's that's a pretty interesting one. And then the one after that is about like competitive um, 
hairstyling, which oh, I wasn't that interested in. Okay. Um, but it sounds like a fun show. It's a fun show. It's the first one especially is very, very interesting. The second one's pretty good too. I'm gonna keep watching just because Maybe what they'll else? get back to the magic yeah. of uh Yeah, of the other ones are rolling. uh the other ones are frog hopping, which I don't know anything about. Um and like yo yoing, which I am very interested oh, in. Oh, I love yo yoing. Um and then I don't remember what the last one is. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I like I like shows that show people being very good at things. Uh, even if they're weird things that I don't yeah. understand or care about, really. <laughs> like American the hill running one is so perfect because it's like it's you can be good at it, but it's like there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing like useful about being good at it. You can't like like at least the sword guys maybe can like sell a sword, <laughs> right? The hill guy is just like he's got a technique and he articulates <laughs> it really clearly how he runs down the hill good. And you're like, what? Have, this is so useless. Have you, have you ever seen American Ninja Warrior? Yes. Uh-huh. That's fun because that's basically just guts for grownups. Yes, absolutely. Um, but Did you ever see the one that really was on hard? There was the Netflix one that was um like American Beastmaster or something like that. Oh, I heard about that one. And it was like Ninja Warrior and whatever, except it had like this weird theming to it where it's like the obstacle course is like you're inside of this beast and it's like (laughs) shaped like a big long like dragon or whatever (laughs) and like but what's funny is that like the hosts clearly like are only committing to talking about the animal like half of the time like most of the time they're just like and he runs up those stairs and he like goes across these monkey bars and then randomly they'll be like and he falls into the blood of the beast (laughs) you're like it's just red water (laughs) like he's like running across the spinal column (laughs) oh man that's so good yeah Yeah, i really really, i I more like these shows like when other people are really into it like i have to it's it's better when i have a friend who is like oh this is the beast you know like Mm -hmm. telling me about it yeah oh that's the beast of course (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's the blood of the beast of course uh yeah <laughs> but uh anyway, we should probably get into the movie. Yeah, let's talk about the movie. Okay. This week we watched Jeremy's favorite movie. <laughs> and your uh, favorite movie. Not my favorite movie. It's I mean it's not my favorite. My my cousin Vinny is my favorite yeah, movie. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh Jeremy picked uh The Social Network, directed by David Fincher. Uh came out in two thousand ten, I believe. Something like that, yeah. Um starring Jesse Eisenberg and uh a couple other people. <laughs> Mara Rooney? Jesse Eisenberg, uh, Justin oh, Andrew Timberlake, Garfield. Andrew Garfield. Um, I think that's the main the, people. The actual Winklevoss twins, for all I know. <laughs> yeah, Army Hammer. Army Hammer. Uh, um, yeah. Army Hammer twice, as it were. Mm-hmm. He does not have a twin brother. <laughs> Famously written by Aaron Sorkin. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie. Scored by Trent Reznor. Yeah. And boy, boy, is it scored. Boy, is it scored. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite parts about that movie. So this week we watched that, and it basically follows Mark Zuckerberg, young 19-year-old boy in Harvard, um, and his quest to make a stupid website. (laughs) Um, He makes face mash, and then... Because his girlfriend breaks up with him. Yeah, so it opens with him getting broken up with by this girl uh, because he's obnoxious and 
very mean to her yeah. in like a not flattering way. A huge and she asshole. breaks up with him and says, you're an asshole. And then he goes home and like in a drunken haze, uh, he makes a website called Face Mash where you compare women to each other mm-hmm. and uh, makes everybody mad. And they're all like, you suck. And then these two twins, <laughs> the Winklevoss twins, uh, go to him and they're like, we want to make a website uh, it's called Harvard fuck or whatever. And uh, he's like, all right, I'll make it for you. And then he doesn't. And instead he makes Facebook. And right. they're like, that's the same thing as Harvard fuck. And he's like, no, it's not. It totally isn't <laughs> at all, actually. They're not the same. <laughs> I didn't use your code. You're stupid. And yeah. then uh, his website uh, is incredibly popular. Um, they get 100,000 people on it uh, from Harvard. And then they open it up to... Um, bunch of like columbia, columbia and yale and dartmouth and whatever not yale because they're they hate but yeah um, whatever and then stanford is the big one because right, then it makes it us california, california where the inventor of napster sean whatever the parker. fuck sean parker uh f- uh reads about it or he sees it on some girl's laptop that he's fucking and mm-hmm. uh he's like oh my god i've got to meet this guy and he goes and meets him in a hilarious scene <laughs> in a, in the best scene in the movie probably um <laughs> or one of them anyway uh, and, and he kind of becomes part of the company and there's tension. So yeah, look, you guys have probably all seen the social network. I feel like we don't have to recap the plot too heavily here. The point is that it's, it's Mark Zuckerberg invents Facebook. The Winklevoss twins are mad because they think he stole it. They try to sue him. Uh, yep. his best friend, he betrays and, uh, runs out of the company and he tries to sue him. And the framing of the movie is that it's like he's in the the discovery phase of his lawsuits. They're in these depositions and um, he's telling they're all telling the story in different ways. And we keep cutting back to the deposition rooms and then back to the story. And that's the framing device of the movie. Right. They get valued and in the at end, a billion Facebook dollars. Facebook becomes Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Peter Thiel gives them $500,000. Um, and then they, you know, they move it to California. They cut Andrew Garfield out of the picture uh, and then Sean Parker leaves or he gets caught with cocaine and then leaves the and company. And underage girls. And yeah. And then sorry, underage intern girls. Right. But they're not actually, they're just under 21. Yes. Um, but I mean like functionally having a party with drugs and alcohol, it's, it counts right. the same. <laughs> right. So yeah. And that's basically how the movie ends. And he's just like, you know, he, it implies what actually happens is that he pays off, you know, they settle with the Winklevoss twins. And they settle with uh, his friend uh, whose name is escaping, Eduardo. Eduardo um, Saverin. Saverin. And uh, and then he becomes a billionaire. Um, actually, they all become billionaires. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure Eduardo Saverin is probably. Yep probably pretty fucking rich so they all become billionaires and that's the end of the movie and yeah so this is this is a movie that um there's an interesting history of it with this show in particular when Brent and i first started talking about starting the show this is this was gonna be the first movie we watched oh yeah <laughs> this was initially gonna be the first movie we watched and then we talked about doing my cousin Vinny, and then we decided on um uh, falling down because it seemed better <laughs> for a general audience. <laughs> well, it seemed like it would. It seemed like it would. It would set the tone better yes, for the show. Exactly, set the tone. Um, um, but this one is a movie that we both saw when it came out, 
and liked a lot. And yeah. I still think it's probably one of Fincher's better, uh, better movies. Yes, um, it's one of Fincher's better ones. It's Aaron Sorkin's best for sure. I think I agree with that. And then Trent Reznor, I don't know what else he scored, so I, I couldn't tell you. Well, he, well, he's always great, but he, um, I believe this was his first film that he scored with uh, Atticus right, yes. Ross, and it was kind of mm-hmm. a big deal. People were like, "What the fuck, Trent Reznor?" Um, yeah, I remember writing a Reddit comment about it, <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I was very excited to see that. Uh, I'm a big Nine Inch Nails fan. Um, yeah, so I remember liking it a lot. Uh, I don't know if I actually watched it since the theater until this week. Had you seen it a bunch of times? I think I've seen it a few, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a fantastic movie. It's really good. <laughs> um, and it's uh, it's interesting because it's like you didn't think it was going to be good when it was coming out. Everyone was like, it's going to be like, I thought it was going to be like Flight 93 or something like that. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like one of those movies that just feels really cynical when it comes out and you're just like, yeah, we get it. Facebook is popular. You want to make a movie about it, whatever, right. man. Or like, uh, um, like the, the Captain Phillips and whatever, like these movies that come out around like pop culture things or news stories or whatever. It, it felt like it was going to be one of those. I remember having conversations very specifically about this movie online especially people being like they're just cashing in and i'm like listen guys at the time david fincher was like had almost no l's you know yeah. like he's an incredible director we've got aaron sorkin who has a lot of interesting stuff in his background um you know but generally has interesting takes or interesting writing right like he's obviously yeah. an incredibly uh controversial figure uh <laughs> politically but like I think Moneyball had happened before that. Um, but we have David Fincher, Aaron Sorkin, Jesse Eisenberg had done great jobs in like Squid mm-hmm. and the Whale. And then we had Trent Reznor doing this. Like it felt like they were going to do something to me way more interesting than just like cash in on like, oh, Facebook is different and new and it just did an IPO or whatever. Right. Um, it felt like they were going to try and get at something a little bit different darker or stranger and i think they did i mean i think that they the movie is not about it's barely about facebook at all like i feel like you could not know what facebook is and absolutely understand the movie right it doesn't really matter (laughs) um and i think they what it's really about is it's a character study right it is it's um so yeah i was gonna i was coming into this kind of like there's there's a lot of things that could be said about like I, I I looked up a lot of takes right I tend to do this before we do this where I want to uh-huh. see like what kind of other critics uh, in you know in the in the media world say about the things that we watch and talk about sure and there's a lot about this this is a very popular movie to critique and talk about and whatever there's a lot of like lessons from the screenplay like. <laughs> Mark's saying something different while he's saying the thing he's saying sure. and whatever. The, cr- the formal aspects of this movie are very good. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is like the technical the technicals of this are are as sharp as can be. Like it looks incredible all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh it it reads really well. Most of the dialogue is pretty good and not very Sorkin-y. I found out actually that a lot of that has to do with Fincher actively being like, we're cutting all the Sorkin bullshit. That's crazy Um, (laughs) i didn't know that yeah apparently like fincher throughout the whole process was like would like actively be like sorkin wrote this line three times we're saying it once 
Mm, like the scene, the scene in the in the um, in the nightclub where uh, JT is like uh, is like you know they want to they want you to suck their dick and blah 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 blah. This is our time. He was supposed to say this is our time three times, which <laughs> oh, is a very no. Sorkin ass move. And uh, Fincher apparently in the moment was just like say it once, just say it once, <laughs> just say it once, say just it say with it the normal. Emphasis. Yeah, be a real person. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so so the technicals of this are all are all very clearly the acting great. is incredible. Acting is all great. The score is un- like unbelievable. Yeah. The thing that I didn't see a lot of talk about though in all of the critique of this movie and all of what everybody talks about and what everyone writes about is like what like what is the message of this movie actually right? Because yes. there's well, a lot like people say it's about isolation and it's about like isolation. ambition and it's about perfectionism and whatever. It's to me, this comes down to a moment that I had a couple weeks ago that I think I told you about. It was the day where I was at the hospital visiting Nico, and it was the first day that I got to... So as a COVID measure, and because Nico was born premature, I had to use rubber gloves every time you know oh. I wanted to like, pick them up and whatever, right? Okay. And it was the first day that I got to take the gloves off and like actually lay skin on skin. Uh-huh. And it was this really powerful, really emotional experience for me. And I was leaving the hospital that day, walking down the street, just thinking about. I was thinking about this movie weirdly enough a lot. <laughs> Did you just watch it? No, I hadn't watched it. I but what I was thinking about was like I was thinking about how like I in that moment in that day I felt like the luckiest person on the planet. Oh. Like I felt like I have everything anybody could possibly want you know yeah. like i have and, and and not just because of what i had just experienced i was like reflecting on so much in my life i'm like i have like a i have a happy relationship i have a job that like pays me enough to live like i'm not worried about money ever yeah. like i'm fine with money i don't have enough to like you know i don't i don't own a house or nothing but i mean like i have enough money that i'm not worried about money most of the time yeah. i i have all of my bases are covered and i have a wonderful child i have a wonderful wife i have everything that anybody could possibly want and i was like it's it's unbelievable first of all that like everybody doesn't have this it's 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 right. unforgivable <laughs> that society is structured in such a way that i'm lucky that this isn't like the base level that everybody is allowed to have yeah but then what i started thinking about is like how unbelievably fucked and terrible it has to be to like want more <laughs> to like to, to, <laughs> yeah. to be able to to be able to grasp the things that I have access to and then to be like I deserve and I want more like and, right. and then I started thinking about this movie and what I love about this movie and what I think is so special about it that nobody out there in the in the you know in the universe seems to be fucking talking about is that this is the only movie I've ever seen that actually depicts being a billionaire and wanting to be a billionaire as a sociopathy as a disgusting thing that you should turn your back on (laughs) that like if you see that in yourself you should actively root it out and get rid of it because what you see throughout this movie is that from the jump Mark is a terrible person and he treats everybody in his life poorly and he uses people and he never expresses any sort of compassion or any sort of care for a single person and that's what leads him to become a billionaire. That's the ruthlessness that leads him to become a billionaire. Right. And in the end, you know, he's like alone in his castle of money and whatever, and like refreshing the picture on this chick. And you're supposed to like all these reviews that I, I listened to and I read were people being like, and like he's human in that final moment. 
He's not human in that final moment. He knows that he has a billion dollars and that's <laughs> what he wants to hold over her now. Yeah. That's what that last scene is saying to you is that like now that he has everything, he's like, maybe now it'll work. Right. Now I should be able to have whatever I want. Exactly. Right. It's 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 a movie about the cruelty of of the wealthy. And that's what's special about this to me. That's what I think is great about it. Yeah. I, and I think so. This time I've watched it, uh, I, I agree that that is kind of where it's coming from. But I, 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 there's, if I have criticisms, uh, they're little things. Mm-hmm. Um, and this time I watched it, what the little things were is how it kind of allows in moments for there to be empathetic characters. Right. Um, and the fact is, is that all of these people are evil. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like deeply awful people, um, and like the Winklevoss twins are per- portrayed in places as like stupid, um, mm-hmm. but not bad always. And like Eduardo is also like not bad; um, he's just doing his thing, you know. But I don't, and I think it's kind of there. But the, these like aren't just college kids. Do you know what I mean? Like right the the halls of power that exist in harvard and like the systems of power that are born in these places like isn't portrayed as demonic as i think they should be (laughs) um it's sort of just like any other college you know just like oh it's just college um which i think is kind of okay in places but uh it's it's at once not banal enough and too banal i guess um and i felt a little bit like the things that bothered me the most was what the things that Aaron Sorkin changed from reality, mm-hmm. which is like one, one is that like Mark Zuckerberg married the girlfriend that he had while he was making Facebook. Like he hired her to make well, right. he hired her to Facebook and then he married her and he's still married to her. And she's just not in the movie because like, for some reason he has to be a misogynist too. Right. Um, <laughs> He's all like if you ever watch I sent you a video today of Mark Zuckerberg on the news in 2004. Yeah, a very funny video by the way. And like that character, it is very funny, but that guy in that in that video on the news like selling Facebook isn't the same guy. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like Jesse Eisenberg is is a joyless freak who like Mm -hmm. never even smiles, never once says like, hey man, we're having fun. Like we're trying to be normal people. Um, And I think it's a little too on the nose that he's just like a huge cock to everyone all of the time. Because I think they they get at it, but it's a little bit too like, like, you're right, the point is that he wants power and he wants to be you know he wants to be rich and he wants to be powerful and he's just an asshole but i feel like it kind of lets everyone else off the hook because of that mm-hmm. where it's like well other people just want to do their jobs and they want to make something nice and it's all but they're all doing the same thing you know they all want power right um it's interesting though cuz it's like it it expresses a lot of different types of power mm-hmm. like i was thinking as you were saying that about how like Mark in this movie is cruel to everybody except for one person, and that's Sean. And Sean is somebody who he looks up to as this sort of like disruptor of like, he's, you know, he's like the crazy internet guy from his youth. Because like you hear early on when he's talking about some website that he made, he's telling them, 
he's telling the Winklevoss is about a site that he made, and they're like, so what happened? And he's like, you know, I did, Google came and tried to buy it, and they're like, so what did you do? And he's like, I fucking gave it away for free on the internet. And you're oh, like, yeah. of course, he's an internet guy. That makes sense. He like did some open source thing or whatever, and like for sure, you know, Napster would have been like a huge cultural thing to him as a child, totally. you know, given the timeline and whatever. And so the way that he, <laughs> yeah, the way that he like uh, looks up to Sean is really interesting that like he's fully in control of everything. Sean needs him more than he needs Sean. And yet still he's like, he's a huge puss around him all the time. And he's like, you know, he's like, you you know, you want to party with little old me? You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's a really interesting, like very human sort of, it's, if there's anything about him that's sympathetic in this movie, I think it's that. It's like that's looking the up human to a guy. Sure, is when he's yeah. a pussy around Sean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's, but it's just weird because I, 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 it's almost like, like what we know about Zuckerberg now mm-hmm. is that he's like this very, he's this guy who's always trying to be affable and failing. You know what I mean? Because he's, you know, I don't want to get in trouble or anything, but he's clearly like some on some sort of spectrum, right? right. Like the real Mark Zuckerberg is like a little spectrumy, if not a lot. Yeah. And that's important to his character. And it makes me feel like, it makes me like Eisenberg's performance of him less, like having seen the real Zuckerberg, because it's like, did you even like watch him do anything? <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. I think that I kind of think of this in the same vein as I think of something like Frost Nixon, where I think that that movie is better for the fact that the guy playing Nixon doesn't really do a Nixon. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's kind of better for the fact that he's just like, I'm portraying something else here. Like, this isn't really about nixon the man this is about nixon the idea sure. and i guess like in the same way that you know earlier we were saying like this isn't a movie about facebook this is a movie about power and money and right. influence like it's much more interesting to me i think that he kind of chose his own style and like in the same way that they that they added this girlfriend character to it and whatever kind of makes it a little more uh it feels more like art i guess and less like uh, <laughs> uh like documentary right uh, when you say um that it's about power, I agree. But I feel like there was some missed opportunities. Like mm-hmm. the guy who's like the head of Harvard that the Winklevoss twins go to, like that's a really incredible funny, performance. By the way, that's a really great scene because like the Winklevoss twins like don't understand what they've gotten themselves into. You know, like there's a level of power uh, way above them, you know, like mm-hmm. they're like at the top of their class, big jock guys who are like, we row crew, you yeah, know, clearly like really <laughs> have some sort of like influential father who got them the meeting or whatever. Yeah, like, exactly. But then they're like, it's not just like, well, they like realize in this moment that like this guy was like in a presidential cabinet, like he right. has yeah. he has access to levers of power that you are not even near like you're just a high school bully. But if there's one thing that this movie does really well, it's basically showing that the way power works does not change after high school. Mm-hmm. Like there's interpersonal backstabbing and, you know, like one upsmanship and like just everyone sort of scrambling at stuff. Yes. Um, and there's like a cool older kid who was into the thing before you there's yeah. like a school principal who like that's kind of the final letter of the law on that you know it's right. absolutely yes and it's like it's all sort of contained within harvard but like when you get glimpses outside of like 
you know, the head of Harvard who was, you know, in actual politics, it's like, oh, well, it's just like you can map all of this onto that too. Right. Um, and that feels the most realistic, but it just feels like such a missed opportunity to really hammer that home to me. Like, yeah. I, I feel like that's sort of on the outskirts of the movie, whereas like, even though it almost feels like it should be the movie, you know, <laughs> like the movie is that this is about how power works. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and it, dev it never really hammers home to me. Like, like they have Peter Thiel in the movie, you know right. what I mean? <laughs> and maybe it, you know, okay. It came out in 2010. Maybe really no one understood that he was like how deeply he was working with the deep state and the CIA right. and like, you know, like, but that's, really important and like also why... hot name drop for uh les wexner in the middle of I know. it <laughs> in the like really loud scene where yeah. they like they mention les wexner and they show someone playing peter Thiel and bill gates mm -hmm. and it's like i think watching this movie now you know almost 10 years after it came out like it just felt really weird to have these people in the movie <laughs> and then like not really ma making a commentary about like how power works outside of Harvard. Yeah. Well, it's like, um, I guess the, the commentary that they're trying to do is this kind of idea of like old money, new money or whatever. And like kind of talking about this, I guess like the disruption of power in the, uh, in like the business world when like, when the internet kind of became so ubiquitous that like the people who could wrangle this new force kind of became the Kings and like, you know, you had, you, you could either try to like Timberlake's character talks about it a lot, right. Is mm -hmm. this idea of like, you know, these old money, you know, venture capitalists and whatever they wanted to come in and be like, Hey, we like your idea. Now it's our company, but like, it's only a matter of time before we are just bypassing them completely because we become too big for them to control. And that's what Facebook represents, I guess, is this kind of first thing that's like, it's it's getting too big too fast for any of these like Peter Thiel's or Les Wexner's to really get their greasy palms on. So it just shoots past them too fast for them to like right. wrangle and hold. Which I think is wrong though. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> Peter Thiel owns stake in the company and right. like you don't have somebody who, like the idea that Peter Thiel like looked at something that was like hundreds of thousands of people just giving their data over to this private company and didn't understand that that was something <laughs> like he gave him 500 he gave him half a million dollars you right. know what i mean like there's a reason for that and like that obviously i i mean it's possible like this movie was this movie happened before snowden mm -hmm. so it's like possible that like you know fincher and sorkin for sure like didn't have that like conception of like there's yeah, this more was before stuff we, going on this for sure was before we understood how much like i don't know if if it necessarily snowden or, or what that like kind of tipped this all off that like so much of what the business of the internet of this age became was about like yeah mining your information to sell to advertisers i, I mean there's a lot you know I think that's why it became that way. I mean, I don't think that Mark Zuckerberg knew that's what he was doing until much later, mm -hmm. but like people knew what they were doing, you know, like it, he became a useful tool and they made him a billionaire and you know what I mean? Right. Um, and I think he still has his position because he has constantly been working with uh, the police and the, and law enforcement and the NSA and the CIA uh, yeah. since the beginning. Um, 
So it's interesting. And I mean, maybe that just wasn't public, but it's it's very interesting now to watch it 10 years later and see right. these people show up and be like, oh, <laughs> I see. <laughs> but I guess it's like, it, it kind of gets away in a lot of ways because it's like, yeah, we're looking at it now with like today Facebook yeah. as kind of what we're looking at. Whereas I do feel like ultimately the central message of this is kind of this, you know, the the idea that like, you know, you can't buy anything worth having, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of the the central thesis here is you can't buy anything worth having. So why are you doing chase it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, why chase it this much? Because like throughout the whole movie, you know, Garfield keeps saying like, yeah, Mark, he doesn't care about money. You know, right. it, it's it's presented so much like Mark doesn't care about money. Mark is like he's he's not a materialist. He doesn't give a shit about this sort of stuff. But then ultimately everything he does is about money. He only has Garfield around for money. At the end, he cuts him out for money. All of this shit's about money. He doesn't want to give them money at the end for the settlements. Right. And, and I think I think it's because he, you know, has presented himself as this person who cares about ideas, mm-hmm. you know, cares about the the work and the technical stuff or whatever. But it's not that he doesn't care about money. It's that money isn't always important. Is is always secondary to power because it's mm-hmm. not literally the same thing to people who really understand it. You know what I mean? Like right. Zuckerberg understood at least the Zuckerberg in the movie. You know, Zuckerberg understood that like having attention and having people want to use your website and getting them to give you all your data. Um, there's a famous quote that he said, like when he was like 20 years old, like someone asked him how he got all of this data and he was mm-hmm. like, they just fucking gave it to me. The dumb fucks. <laughs> um, and he understood that, like he knew from the very beginning that like, you know, it's not just because Sean Parker talks about it as like, it's cool, you know, but right. he understood it's not just that it's cool. It's power. If you control these people's like, you know, social lives uh then you it doesn't matter you will get money the money will come you know what right I mean? yeah where it comes from is is secondary it's like it, the, the money's gonna be there it's it's as long as you keep people in one place yeah you um, you control the cage you control the 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 infrastructure of how that is going to get you power right um and so i think that all is is very interesting and and still very good um it's weirdly misogynistic as a movie Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh more like way more than i remembered it because it's like you know i remember there being critiques at the time uh of like you know this movie's kind of sexist and like most of them were just like there's barely any women in the movie and they cut out mark zuckerberg's girlfriend Mm -hmm. and i was like oh well whatever i mean that's not you know, these kids, they're all awful people, right? So it's like... Yeah, absolutely. You don't... I mean, if anything, you don't want women there. It's like, who needs to take extra <laughs> fire on this? Right. But at the same time, like, the way the women are treated by the movie mm-hmm. is, like, very Sorkin, where it's like, yeah, he doesn't know one, what to do, except yeah, for just Yeah, there's the one side of it where it's like, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, sure, it's, it's, it's sexist because Mark is mean to the women. But that's within the movie. The fact that the writing itself says, like, the only thing women do in this movie are uh, nag somebody yeah. <laughs> in, like, a crazy way, uh, suck their dick in the bathroom, mm-hmm. Uh, or be on a bus to go to a party where you'll probably suck someone's dick in the bathroom. Right. Which is all like almost all of those things 
that you mentioned as the movie being sexist were made up. That's yes. that's what's really interesting to me is that like those were like extra stuff that Sorkin added to like flesh things out or like move right. things along. It's like why would you make that stuff? Up? Why is that in there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing we talked about this before with it. How there's the scene in oh, it yeah. <laughs> where the kids all fuck and everyone's like, Stephen King, why are you doing pedophile stuff? And he's like, I think it's weird that you made it a pedophile thing and whatever. It's like you wrote a fictional story that involved this. You made this up. <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> you can't pass this on to us. He didn't like document a real clown alien thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's problems with the movie, but uh, I think... I think you're right that it is one of the few things that really unlike like this and like <laughs> ironically network <laughs> just mm-hmm. just network um really the regular network <laughs> really yeah regular network really kind of get at a truth that most movies aren't allowed to really grapple with and I think this movie isn't as sharp uh and cutting as network but it it definitely gets nearly as close um yeah it's more emotional than it is um uh uh yeah like hit um, you over the head with the idea ideological yeah it's not ideological exactly it's more emotional like it hits you with like the weight of the emotions of these things like the moment where like at the end where you can tell that mark realizes that he's lost everybody like when when you know eduardo is gone now and then sean is going to jail um, or whatever it is that's happening to him, you know, just getting cut out of the company too, or whatever it is that happens with him. Right. You know, it, it's that moment where like it hits him like, oh man, I've like really got nobody now. Um, mm-hmm. That's really, I guess, more the way that they choose to tell this story. Uh, before we Before we start signing off though, I would be remiss if I did not bring up that Justin Timberlake in this movie is unbelievably good. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's great. What a fucking performance from him. He's definitely the standout for me, I think. Right. Uh, he's so, he was, he was, I remember one of the other things that people were mad about when this movie was, it was like, Fincher's going to go downhill. This movie's going to suck. People were saying this movie's going to suck for some reason just because they didn't like Facebook. There was this weird thing of like, Facebook was like super lame to people mm-hmm. on the internet. Uh, and so people were just hating the Facebook movie before it came out for some reason. Uh, and especially because it was like, it has the in sync guy. <laughs> right. Uh, yes, of course. Which is so strange. Same thing with like Heath Ledger, Joker. Right. You know, it's, it's you always get this sort of people shit. People don't understand that actors, <laughs> you know, <laughs> act. Um, I wish that Justin Timberlake would act more. Right. I'm like looking at his filmography now. It's like this. Alpha and then Dog. He did Inside Lou and Davis, yep. which he's fantastic in that too. Mm-hmm. But he and only picks... he does like Trolls World Tour and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. I think if there's another criticism I have of this movie, it is in that moment, like the, the emotional, the emotional turning, like the turnkey of the film is that Sean, uh, Sean and uh, Mark cut Eduardo out of the movie. And the reason that's supposed to be emotional is because Eduardo is his only real friend. My problem with that is we never see them be friends. Yeah, we never see them we be friends. Them, we know nothing about Eduardo. We know hardly anything about Eduardo except that he's a sucker and Mark just uses him. So this him. is what I was going to say is, yeah, is that is kind of what makes it sadder for me is that like 
the whole time, like what we know about them is that we don't know Eduardo very well, but we know that Mark only talks to Eduardo when he needs something. He only ever talks to him when he's like, we need money for servers. We need money for this apartment, whatever. Like, right. What makes it sadder than anything is that you're like, when Eduardo says like, I was your only friend, I was your best friend. And you're like, you believe (laughs) that. That's what's sad is you believe that. Sure. And Mark knows what the fuck is up. Mark doesn't like you, you know? <laughs> he never cared about you. He never cared about you. He never cared about anybody. He's never been nice to anybody but Sean Parker. Uh-huh. But I feel like, I just wish we should have, I feel like we should have seen that scene. There's a little bit at the end, like right after he goes to LA, mm-hmm. it starts to get a little disjointed where it's like, we should have seen the scene where Sean Parker was like, Eduardo did this. And this is how he doesn't see the vision and we need to get him out of here. And that should have been an yeah. emotional moment for Mark to, for him to like, you know, look away from the camera and yeah, sort do that, of like Mark face and right. His gorilla <laughs> monk face and like, <laughs> you know, decide that he was going to stab his friend in the back. Like we should have had that emotional moment and we kind of don't even see it. Like mm-hmm. we get, eduardo experiencing that like you know finding it out but who gives a shit about eduardo like he's not the main character and they like there's multiple scenes where you're kind of like expected to be like empathizing with this guy who we don't really know anything about or care about right so there's a couple things like that but uh generally especially the first half of the movie is like just it's so finely tuned and crafted Mm -hmm. it moves like you know glassy a boat over glassy water it's yeah. uh speaking of which the the, the robot scene, scene the robot scene which has no purpose in this movie at <laughs> all <laughs> but it's one of those ones that you're like you're like i'm glad it's there though yeah you know it's very good. I'm, I'm glad you did it you just decided like you know what we're just going to do a cool sequence just to be there yeah and i'm glad it's there just they to do if you, if you somehow haven't seen this movie it's a uh, it's a sequence of a of a crew race between Harvard and some English school or whatever, right? And uh, they're Cambridge going down the, the River Thames, and uh, they're playing the um, what is that song? It's like the is that the dance of the uh, sugar plum fairies? No, that's oh oh. It's the um, Mountain of the Night King or something. Shit, I Where, forgot what it's, it's called. It's the... Yeah, you know the song. Yeah. And, and it's that, and it's the <laughs> rowboats, and they're going, and it's like in like a cool-ass tilt-shift camera, mm-hmm. and like... That shit, I love tilt shift cameras. That shit looks so cool. <laughs> I wish more people would do stuff with it. It's cool. It's very cool. It's uh, too conspicuous, I guess. Like it's too noticeable when you do it. You have to have like a reason to do it. And and uh, I feel like they didn't really have one. <laughs> I guess they were trying to show like like the Winklevosses becoming like insignificant in the story of this now. Okay. That's a good enough reason, I guess. <laughs> it's like, cause it's like by that point, the, the thing that they find out right after at the party is that like, uh, that Facebook had expanded to, to Oxford and Cambridge. Yeah. And they were like, fuck, fuck. Oh, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Shit. We can't stop it. Um, and, and I guess it's, it's supposed to be them just appearing really tiny, because uh, yeah, they're just sense. like it's it's out of your control now. You have no chance. Um, damn, yeah. dude, those guys. The Army Hammer is great in this too. 
Oh, yeah. Um, he's very funny. He gets a lot of very funny lines is really his thing. <laughs> We're Harvard gentlemen. Yeah, we are gentlemen of Harvard, and people at Harvard do not sue each other. <laughs> the, the best is when he's like, is, uh, is look, I'm, I'm, I'm 220 pounds, six foot four, and there's two of me. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody behave that way? Is that like how Harvard people are? I've never really... Oh, yeah. I'm sure like old money people who like have generations of their family who've gone to Harvard. I'm sure that that means a lot to them. Yeah. It seems like he was playing like uh, William F. Buckley as a kid. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, just like huge teeth and just... Yeah. <laughs> well, or... If you ever met anybody you like queer? that, <laughs> like there's very much like uh, uh, like that 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 mentality for sure exists. Yeah, there's people so who take gross. that sort of society sort of things very seriously. Yeah, uh, I wanted to see more of the final clubs. Uh, yeah, that kind of stuff of like it's it's weird how like Zuckerberg just like real like there's no part where he like realizes it's stupid or like does things. Well, he doesn't because I mean, he's not supposed to, I guess, because it's supposed to have been like this thing that was like part of it for him the whole time or whatever. It it does feel like it's maybe a little crowded. Yeah. Like there's maybe too many things. Like <laughs> Yeah. He needed maybe either the final club or the girlfriend. Yes. That's um, true. Um Yeah. Hmm. But but like all the stuff with Eduardo trying to get into the final club is interesting. Yes. Uh, and I would have liked to see a little bit more like of why they existed. Like, if you're going to put that in your movie, like, why do they exist? Yeah, and don't assume that we know what the fuck it even is. I didn't know what it was. I mean, like, Um, I guess I just was basically assuming now watching, because I remember watching it when I was younger, or 10 years ago, uh, I didn't know what the fuck was happening. I I didn't, you know, I went to a an arts conservatory like yeah, trade I went to school. a community college i don't know what the fuck any of this is yeah i don't know what that is i've like been to boston once i we don't know even, shit about this we didn't even have frats like we didn't have sororities like yeah. we didn't have anything uh we had pickles so you know i i didn't know i wanted to know more now i have, have like read about skull and bones and like yeah that's some of the, but i didn't know that skull and bones was a final club i thought it was just like a, i don't even know if it is i don't know if it is i thought it was a secret society <laughs> that's what i thought it was so Where you jack off in front of your dad and stuff right into a the the skull it's a geronimo, of geronimo skull yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh having that read was oh about my god that, so. weird funny thing and then we'll sign off uh was <laughs> when um when george bush senior died um I had some post that was like, uh, rest in peace, George H.W. Bush, our first president to jack off into Geronimo's skull. <laughs> <laughs> and there was some chick who like, who uh, tried to like get me fired. <laughs> Because she was like, this is this is um, uh, this is uh, 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 offensive to to First Nations, and I'm like, I did not steal Geronimo's skull. I'm sorry that that <laughs> happened, but that's true. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I'm sorry it's disrespectful to talk about, but I think it's definitely more disrespectful to jack off in Geronimo's yeah, He's skull. the one who did it. <laughs> yeah, Sebastian Gorka tried to get me canceled. What? I told you about that, right? I don't think so. When George W. Bush died, I said, however much pain he was in, it wasn't enough. Wasn't and nearly Se- enough. And Sebastian Gorka quote tweeted that <laughs> and was like, this is the left. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> And like there I just a, had, I had like two hundred MAGA chats in my mentions for like two days. <laughs> that owns. There's somewhere out there is a um 
is a podcast that David Spector tried to get off the ground called Shitface the Nation. And the idea was that he would just get two comics way too drunk and then talk about politics. And the the episode that it was me and Alex Patak and okay. we watched like the first Democratic debate and we had like must have been like seven or eight drinks apiece. We were way oh, too drunk, no. like really stupid drunk from the start. Like you, you start recording, you're already that drunk. And then it's him and his co-host stone sober guiding the conversation. And there's some point in it where <laughs> I guess this would have been right after uh, Bush senior died. And me and Alex just start saying like, like, if George W. Bush was like here right now, like if he was like nearby, I kind of feel like I would just I would probably murder. I would him, murder. Right? I would just <laughs> yeah. murder him with like and and Specs is like Specs is like playing this out because he's like, this is a funny riff. So, <laughs> so he's like he's like teasing more out of he's like, Well, how would you guys do it? I'm like, Well, we're in an apartment right now. I'd probably like use a knife. I'd probably like stab him. <laughs> Do you have a gun? <laughs> we like we really explicitly like in great detail talk about like yeah, we would murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a very good bit. <laughs> but it's on a recording somewhere. <laughs> oh, and he never published it? Oh no, he published it. It's out there. You can listen to it. <laughs> Luckily it's unlistenable because he doesn't know how to edit, so like he accidentally put like two parts of the episode over each other. What? So like half of the the podcast. This is why I never went anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird mistake. I don't know. It is. I don't know how you make that mistake, but Spectre is a magical person in that way. <laughs> anyway, so, so Social Network. Highly recommend. Very great, good movie. Great movie. Uh, I had more political issues with it this time around, but it still is incredibly made, incredibly yeah. acted. Looks good, feels good. Yeah. The writing is is not as annoying as Sorkin's, most of Sorkin's stuff. Uh, it's all very fun, even if it's a little unrealistic in, in places. But yeah, recommend it. And as, sexist. It's also misogyny. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, check it out if you haven't seen it. So thanks for listening to ev- everybody. Thank you for listening to Generation Loss. Uh, I'm Bryn. You can follow me at Kinomatography on Twitter. You can listen to my other show, BP Lettuce. Uh, and you can watch Left Trigger, where I play video games with Chris from BP Lettuce on Means TV. Um, and that's Jeremy, and you can follow him at Jeremy Thunder uh, on Twitter and YouTube, uh, where he plays City Skylines, and listen to his other show, Ballin' Out Super. Oh, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash generation loss. Uh, and you get a bonus episode where we talk about lots of things, sometimes the news, sometimes other movies. Uh, and you can go to the Discord where we watch the movies online before the episode on Monday. Before the episode. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. So check that out. Otherwise, see you next see time. See you next time. Bye. What do you want to be? Yeah.